MaxScholarsPublishing.com That uh, we should get our own. Once we have our own, uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own. And uh, that's equality right there. Welcome back to the Black Scholars Podcast. I am Leonard Andre Wilson Jr. I am your host. The Black Scholars Podcast is a community for black and brown educators. Whether you're in the classroom, the boardroom, you're a stakeholder, you're a parent, you're a scholar, um, potential school counselor or current school counselor, school psychologist, social worker, um, anything to do with anything related to kids learning, kids matriculating through the K-12 through system, um, even at the collegiate level, we're going to grow uh, this show. And this show, again, is the community. It's about the people. Please find me on Facebook. Uh, go to Black Scholars Podcast. We have new merchandise there, the Black Scholars shirt, um, which is black and gold. It's a very dope shirt. Uh, I think you guys would appreciate that. have some more shirts that are going to be coming up and some more products and whatnot that you guys will really enjoy. Uh, also find me on Instagram at the Black Scholars Podcast. Again, Instagram, the Black Scholars Podcast. I enjoyed this show thoroughly. Uh, 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 Sonia, I lost my train of thought there. Sonia Scott is a dope educator, just a dope woman altogether, a dope human being. And I am blessed to have been able to meet her through um, social media. Um, and she's young. Um, she's wise beyond her age. And me and her, we just really want to focus in on just black educators and black education and we dibble and dab between a few topics you guys will thoroughly enjoy that um so yeah uh this is episode five
Sonia. Am I saying that right? Yes, Sonia. Okay. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, my name is Sonia B. Scott. I emphasize the B. And <laughs> I teach seventh grade math. I'm walking into my fourth year as an educator. Dope. So you said seventh grade math? Yes. I um, When I first started off, I was working as a uh, Apollo tutor. Um, and we just called those like we were like interventionists for sixth, uh, sixth grade. However, I did mix and mingle with teaching with seventh and eighth grade as well. But most of my experience is sixth, seventh grade. Dope, dope. Um, what, um, what, you're in New Orleans, correct? Yes, I am in New Orleans, Louisiana. What uh, district is it in New Orleans? I'm, well, I'm, you know, forgive me, but I just moved out here. I've been out here for a year. Okay. So I'm learning um, a lot about how we, you know, vote language in their education system. Um, so they're, they're, there's majority charters in New Orleans. Okay. And so currently I'm going to be working in the first line charter in New Orleans. Okay. And is this your first time working for a charter school? Yes, this is my first time. Uh, well, I've substituted with Kip back in Houston, but this is my first time working as a, a lead teacher in um, in a charter school. Yes, which is definitely different. And in Houston, did you work for the what is Houston's called Houston School District? Yes, I work for HISD. Okay, okay. Um, I'm trying to think what famous charter school system is in Houston. I mean, well, you have a few. You have Kip, which is well known. I think it's um, Kip. Have, yeah, Kip yeah. started in Houston, right? I think so, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. okay. They're they're all over the they're over the place now. <laughs> and it was the guys who did the um, Doug Lamov, I think, who did the Teach Like a Champion. Isn't he like yes. the founder of Kip and everything? Um, if I'm, yes, and which, I think he was also part of Teach for America. Um, but I actually have his book on my bookshelf now. Oh, the teach for uh, teach like a champion. Teach like a champion. Oh, okay. They um because Te teach for America really supports the book and very um they use it very closely when they when they train um potential mm -hmm. teachers. Sure. So it's definitely one of those books that a lot of schools have learned to adapt to and want their teachers to be very familiar with. Um, but it's a pretty it's a pretty good book. All right, so you're going to be going into year four. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, you're going to be doing math next year. Of course. Okay. <laughs> and um, you came in through Teach for America. So what was that experience like going through Teach for America? Uh, Teach for America is, it definitely has been a great experience because it definitely gives you a different perspective um, when we talk about education on a spectrum. So before I joined Teach for America, I had already had a couple of, you know, a couple of years under my sleeve with education. Now, Teach for America is a, it's like a another way for future teachers, potential potential teachers to become a part of an organization, train, learn the ins and outs, um, and it's fun. Um, Teach for America really hit a nerve for me because I didn't understand the importance of race in education until. I joined Teach for America and I probably was, I was okay, but I definitely had some very uncomfortable moments. 
Going through the training through Teach for America? Yes. Okay. Going through the training, I had some very uncomfortable moments because Teach for America is like you go in, you have to, um, you're going to be going through training with all these, you know, these new teachers, for the most part, first year teachers. And there's majority of white people being, you know, you know, that are coming in with Teach for America. Right. And so that puts you at a place like, dang, like, what do black folks say? You know, like right. what a black, you know, what a black teacher say. And so it's a very, it's a very few of you. And so you get a little uncomfortable because it's like, for me, I grew up in diverse areas. So I'm okay with being like, with, I'm okay with being everyone. You know, I'm pretty open to everybody. But when you're in a room full of nothing but white people and it's like, we're about to get ready to go into these low income schools, you know, they're predominantly black. Do y'all even know what, you know, what's expected? And so you get a little nervous because, you know, these black kids, they're going to, y'all going to be teaching these black kids and it's going to be a different atmosphere. And so you kind of like, you get a, a little uncomfortable and you get a little concerned because you want to make sure, like, I just want, I want all of us to be in this for the right reason. And I can honestly say like, people do come through Teach for America and it's kind of complicated to determine whether the teachers are coming in because they want to actually stay in this or are they coming in it, you know, are they coming in this for their own benefit? Yeah, great point. Uh, are you familiar with the New Teacher Project at all? No, I, I heard of it before, but I'm not familiar with it. I think they'd be considered a competitor for Teach for America. Um, mm -hmm. That's how I actually got into education. And I could totally relate to everything that you said because, you know, there was few and far between of uh, African-American or just minority educators in that program. And a majority of them were white. And to be honest with you, if I can remember correctly, um, I think we had two attorneys, two white attorneys who were trying to do a career transition over into education. They actually, mm -hmm. they actually both quit during the um, summer. Training. Yeah, they quit during the summer training. Um, and then that left me a bit baffled and even just conversations that we would have, like you said, we're going into low income schools, um, schools where, you know, 90% of the population is impoverished or, you know, they qualify for poverty according to the mm -hmm. federal guidelines. And just the way that we would have those conversations where we're talking about black and brown kids. And it's like, can you actually relate to those kids mm -hmm. that, you know, are you here for the right reason? Um, yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so. And that's and that's a that's a definitely the biggest thing that we you know that is so important in these schools because you know just a year of being in New Orleans, I know my students really we had a lot of those you know black and white conversations, yeah. and so for me it's very important that we you know that we mention that in the midst of like you know teaching social studies or science, art. I don't you know it doesn't even matter, but having that conversation is very important. Definitely. So, um, so when you were in college, so what did you actually major in uh, as undergrad? <laughs> um, I actually majored in accounting. Um, I was definitely sure that I was going to be an accountant after I graduated. Um, but I actually took a year off during college. Um, I attended Prairie A&M when I took a year off and I had the opportunity to, you know, to teach um, at HISD. So after I've completed that, I graduated, I already knew what I wanted to do. And I knew for a fact it was an accounting. So I went right back into education. That's dope. My dad's actually an accountant. And 
Um, at one point, I thought I was going to fall on his shoes, but um, glad I didn't. Um, so let me yeah. ask you this: Did you feel, did you feel a calling to education? Did you have like, was it, what was the program, or what were you doing before you got into being, um, before you got into Teach for America? What, what you said you were like an interventionist or something? Yeah, so I, okay. I was a math interventionist at HISD for um, about two years. I I think when I left there, because I went back to school, and I, um, that's when I attended Texas Southern University. But when I went back to school, I already know, like, it's you know, it's time that I took a year off. It's, that's fine. Went back, and I already knew, like, I'm ready to get this, you know, get this degree. I already know what I want. And so when I graduated, I ended up getting an, um, a job as a financial analyst with Wells Fargo. And it was fun. You know, the money's fun. It's amazing. But I wasn't happy. And so I wasn't happy because I felt like I was missing something. So I will always go back and think about like, you know, I had so much fun teaching. I changed so many, you know, I've I built so many relationships with students. I've made some good long, you know, some long life friends um, that I worked with. Like, I miss it. Every day was something new. It was exciting. There was always a challenge. Like, that was that was amazing for me. Like, I'm that's my fuel right there. And so, sitting in my cubicle at Wells Fargo it was, I felt like, I, what am I really doing? Like, who am I helping right now? Besides the company, like, who am I really helping right now? Right. And I just felt like, you know, like, I wanted to follow my passion. And my passion was to work with kids. If it was about the money, I would have stayed where I was. And so maybe it was my calling. I know for a fact it was my passion. And it's what I wanted to do. So Teach for America accepted me. They, You know, New Orleans was where I wanted to go. They gave me my New Orleans. And that's where I'm at now. Dope. We definitely have some uh, commonalities. I actually used to work for Wells Fargo. Um, actually, before I quit, they actually offered me a promotion. Yeah. Um, I was on the banking side in the back room, so like the data encoding and imaging and whatnot. Um, okay. And I had a conversation with my grandfather, um, and he was like, you know, I know you're doing well for yourself, um, but when are you going to, you know, get your degree? When are you going to take school seriously? So Yeah. That's what moved me down to the South, ended up moving down to Tennessee, went to Tennessee State University. Um, I'm originally from Wisconsin, but it was, okay. a, it was a conversation with my grandfather and looking around and like, do I want to do this for the rest of my life or yeah. at least the majority of my life? And it's like, nah. And uh, slowly but surely, I worked my way into education and I'm glad that I did so. So, Well, I'm glad you did too. Definitely, definitely. So, um I'm trying to see where do we want to go here. Um, so, did you always want to be a teacher, or was it the interventionist um, experience that made you decide that you wanted to work with kids long term? Uh, I, I knew I wanted to be a teacher when I was really, really young. My sisters and I will probably um, will always get some paper, chill, and then we'll play teacher and students in our rooms. And so I was always the teacher, and it was just fun, like. Kids asking questions, you they're them answering in. It's like it's fun. Like this was, we had the perfect classroom in my bedroom. So it was like something I used to play with as a child. But I mean, as I got older and I started to understand like what it is that I wanted to do. At some point, I did want to. I really wanted to be an accountant. 
I wanted to, whatever involved the county, I wanted to do it um, because I felt like I, I need to make a lot of money. I need to like make a lot of money. And so I had to, when I got, you know, when I graduated, I had to figure out what's more important to me. You know, what would, what would add more value to my life? And at that moment, I just knew like education would do that for me. And you do actually have a bachelor's degree in accountancy, right? Yes. Have you thought about using it um, as a uh, business that you start on the side or even seasonally, especially like around well, income tax time and whatnot? Well, I actually was going to um, next year. I definitely am going to uh, get back into um, tax, uh, doing taxes. Because so I, I, we okay. I was preparing tax, to ta- uh, taxes before, excuse me. Okay. So I'm actually looking forward to getting back into it. So that way, that'll just be a, you know something else to do. Because I actually enjoy doing taxes. It's fun. Um, and it's a quick way to make some extra income of, like you just said. So, um, that's, that's probably it. I know I like tutoring, so I'm definitely getting back into the tutoring, um, on the side, um, with a few students that are actually about to get ready to go to high school. Definitely. I am a firm believer in, uh, the art of side hustling, um, yeah. as an educator, because I mean, think about it. Like you can yeah. actually make some really good money on the side and yeah. you, you know, have favorable hours, you know, you get, mm-hmm. you know, considerate amount of breaks throughout the year. I don't, um, and this is just my personal rant here, but I don't like when educators complain about, um, income. I do get that there are some states where it's just ridiculous, like Mississippi, yeah, Arkansas, like it's just super, super low. Like Arkansas, I think they were paying at one point, if you had a master's degree, like 26,000 or something like that. And it's like, what? You're paying 26,000 for a master's degree? That is ridiculous. Like you want your teachers to be impoverished and tell kids that they should focus on school and education is important, yet you got a master's degree and you make $26,000 a year? Like that's disrespectful. Like seriously, that, that is definitely disrespectful. That is ridiculous, and that is a slap in my face. Exactly. After I worked so hard to even get this this master's. Exactly. Oh, no. So I will say for those particular states, yes, you guys need to go the political, civil, civic duty route of um, getting what you deserve. You definitely deserve yes. to get paid more. But like, if you are in a decent state, a decent district, and you're making, you know, however much that fits the cost of living for that city or environment that you're in, I think that you need to take advantage of the hours and the flexibility that um, being an educator provides. And I think you need to, you know, get into a side hustle. So yeah, I do. I definitely agree. I mean, there's definitely some other, I do take a lot of different things into consideration when we talk about teacher salaries, because truth be told, like, I absolutely, I don't agree. Like the amount of work we put in the time, oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's, it's definitely invested. Like we're definitely beyond our 40 hours per week. Oh yeah, definitely. I can, yeah. I can yeah, you can that. make, you can make it. So it's like, we can, I definitely a hundred percent agree with you there. Like, let's make an argument that, you know, every educator regardless of where they're staying of course that's in consideration to cost of living because if you're teaching in new york or if you're teaching in los angeles like your cost of living is so high right yeah but i feel Mm -hmm. like all educators should make six figures with the amount of well let me say this all effective educators should make six figures we are putting in the work and those who Mm -hmm. aren't putting in the work well then they get paid whatever they get paid whatever they get agree (laughs) and that's and that's well said because it's again like you say use the word effective it's very important yeah 
effective. If you, you know, when I think about school, sometimes on a business level, because that's exactly what it is. It is. And I think about the fact that, you know, an effective teacher is going to bring you the most money. Facts. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, and we're an asset for society. Like, we are the ones who are given the basic skills for the future doctors, nurses, accountants, you know, mm-hmm. lawyers. Like, Providing the we set, that, that yeah, they we need. set the foundation for them to be mm-hmm. able to do what they need to do at the next level, which is you know, college, grad school, professional school. So definitely, um, we might need definitely. to we might need to hook up and do an episode on that in the future. So, no, I'm serious. <laughs> like, like, about that. <laughs> for real, like, I'm serious about like the art of side because hustling, what we should be paid. Um, and, you know, going into it, because going into education, I knew specifically, like, okay, I know if I move to Memphis, Tennessee, which they used to call, quote unquote, teacher town, that mm-hmm. I'm going to make a decent amount of money. It's the reason why I left Nashville, because Nashville was paying teachers like, starting teachers like 10000 less. So I said, nope, I'm going to go to Memphis. Memphis is a lower cost of living, and I get to make more than what, you know, Nashville is. Because Nashville, have you been to Nashville before? No, never okay. been in Nashville. Nashville is growing um, almost similar to Atlanta. And, and what I mean by that is that it's a lot of businesses there, mm-hmm. um, a lot of millennials there, just a lot of people moving to Nashville. Um, and it's so it's expensive. Even just trying to get a hotel yeah. room in Nashville is like, you got to do it early because you're going to be paying some outrageous fees. I, for had like to, I had to make the executive decision on whether or not I want to stay in Texas sure. or move to Louisiana because Texas is probably one of the highest paying schools. If I'm not, if I, if I'm not mistaken and they're starting, you know, they're start a lot of them are starting their teachers off at like 50, 50, 53. Yeah. And that's just coming in as a first year teacher. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and out in New Orleans, I know, I know the minimum that they have is like 35. Yeah. So it's, I don't big, know. That's like a big, that's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> and the a, cost of living is familiar. So I know one of my friends was like, do you, are you sure you want to go out there? Right. I was like, girl, this is New Orleans. I want to have fun, experience right. their culture. We're right. going to, we're going to make it work. Right. But they have a right, very though. rich culture. Yeah, definitely. Very rich culture in New Orleans. Definitely. Oh yes. Um, You'll be surprised. But yeah, you know, we're all we're all intellectual. Um, and so it's like, duh, you're smart. You know what the salary is going to be and you're pursuing this career. So mm-hmm. you need to be able to plan like, okay, how can I do some other things to to generate income? How mm-hmm. can I, you know, to balance it out? And mm-hmm. a lot of educators that I know have multiple talents, like a lot of different talents. And it's like, why aren't you using that other talent to help generate some additional income? Like, you know, that's you know, that's we'll say that for a future. I, but I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say, well, I mean, I definitely agree with that because I did coach, like I coached my um three years of teaching, and you get extra, you know, you get extra stipends for stuff like that. So it's it's honestly, it's money out there for us. Right. It's just a matter of like you know getting it. Do you want to go get it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because a lot of, I'm just speaking from my colleagues that I have worked with, they always complain about everything. They complain about, you know, I'm broke. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then they look at me and they're like, Mr. Wilson, how do you be, how do you do all of this stuff? You podcasting, uh, you got this job, you got this job on the side, you're doing this. It's like, because I got to get it. Like, I'm sitting here and complaining with y'all. Like, no, I'm, okay. I have to go get it. Like, it's not, it's not even it an is. option. I mean, we know what we, we know what we sign up for and yeah, we, definitely. 
we definitely know what we sign up for. And it's more than just the money, because when, like I said, when you get into education, it's so much more than you just teaching somebody, somebody's child. It's so much more than that. So there more. are so many aspects that plays into being a, an effective teacher. It's, you know, like everybody can't teach. I mean, I can help you. You can help me, but everybody is not capable of teaching. And so <laughs> it's like I said, it's just so many aspects that comes into it, which is why I say, you know, when it comes to salary, what you put in is what you get out. Agreed. We'll save that for a future episode, though. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Black educators. And you kind of mentioned it when you were describing your Teach for America experience. Um, where are we? Like, we have this, like you said, stigma um, off air. We were, you know, going back and forth. You said there's a stigma between, you know, white teachers and Black students. Where are the Black educators at? Why aren't they present? Like, where are they? Are they yeah, where they are. Uh, I'm, to this day, I'm still trying to figure it out. I, I just, the biggest thing I feel is that a lot of us have our, it's like we have our minds made up, you know, and I'm, t- you know, I'm about to be 25 and I know a lot of people that I went to school with, everybody has their mind made up. My, my frat, uh, sisters and brothers, they're all, a lot of them are in accounting. They're all still in business and corporate. And it's like, that's fun. They already had their minds made up. So I feel like the absence of black teachers in the classroom is because there's so much more out there. Why would I want to, you know, why would I want to be an educator? And I, I understand, like, I totally understand it. There's so much more out there. Then when you think about what the factors that plays into being a black educator, we don't have a lot of black educators already in the system. We don't. Right. And because we, there's so few of us, it's so hard to, to speak up for what we need because it's only a couple of us in a school. There's probably three black educators in, in one school. And at that point, it's like, we feel this way. But when it's time to communicate that message, how can, you know, how can we get it out there? And, like I said, if I was really caught into accounting, I wouldn't, you know, and I wanted to make sure I had my wealth. I, want, I, bu- I wanted to build my wealth. I would I would have never came into education. I wouldn't have come into education. Yeah. And even if you think about, OK, if your skill set is um, being able to teach, being able to communicate, crowd control, instructional design, mm-hmm. um, which is really like user design. There are so many different um, careers available outside of education where our skills easily can be transformed in that mm-hmm. new environment. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, um, uh, what do they call corporate trainers? So if you are a corporate trainer for a Fortune 500 company, they make six figures for most Fortune 500 companies, um, pretty much regardless of what state it's in. So it's yeah. like, oh, so the only difference is that, you know, my audience or my class is not 12-year-olds. Now I've got 30-year-olds. Okay. You know, I, I can teach 30-year-olds. So it's like, you know, that's just a change of environment. It's like, even if you felt called to teaching, and I think some people make that decision, I see a lot more educators kind of moving from, you know, K-12, through especially public, and moving over to um, the, corp- the corporate side and making making what they should make for the work yeah. that they're doing. 
um, honestly. So, and I, I mean, and, I, and that's another thing. I feel like some some black teachers do get there. Like we have some teachers that do get into education, but then when I see, you know, when they start to get a taste of it, they start to realize like, and eh, you know, this is fun. I can do it on the side, but I can't do this full time. Because mm. truth be told, when you're working in low, you know, low income schools. Those students have the, you know, the, that's your behavior. That's that's a behavior issue right there. That makes it hard to effectively it teach. It, it makes it very difficult to be an effective teacher. But then you also have, you know, like younger teachers who feel like some of them feel like I don't have to deal with this. These kids are disrespectful. They don't want to learn, you know, this, that and the other. And it's just something they realize that they don't want to do. And I understand that. I respect that. Again, education is not for everybody. And I, I talk I talk about this a lot. I talk about it to my friends. We need more black educators. We, we need more we need more black men in education. Because okay. women, Definitely. we don't have a problem with going to teach kids. You know, we don't have a problem with having to deal with that. This is this is why we're here. We're here to deal with the things that, you know, others may not, other people may not want to deal with. And so, cause I definitely, I love, I love strong black women. Cause we really, we gonna hold it down regardless. And so our presence in a school changes a lot. But when you have a black man in a school, it changes, it changes so much. It changes so much because you have so many students who lack certain you know certain things like a two-parent household a parent household you know a lot of them are living with grandparents some of them are living with an aunt or an uncle truth be told some of them are homeless some of them are living out of cars like this is the reality of a lot of our students some of them lack fathers and so having that those black males in the school there's a mentor, there's a father figure there's a role model there's a man's perspective you know that's a that's man's perspective like it really, it really, it's very effective when you have more blacks, especially more black men in a school. And I, I would love to see, a, you know, a wave of black men dive into education. Like I, I'm waiting for that day to happen. Uh, I do know in New York, for example, I know New York has a program where they are trying to um, pretty much coordinate with all of the different universities there. And mm-hmm. trying to, you know, find and pick, select um, potential teachers, um, you know, specifically African-American males who would like to be teachers. Um, and I'm not sure how well that, you know, uh, program is going. I have to do some research on that. But I don't see all states like in Tennessee. I read something recently where they have like a diversity initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily means they're just going after more black and brown teachers or if they're specifically going under, uh, going after male teachers. Yeah. And I always figure, and this is me being selfish. I don't mind sharing <laughs> this with you, but this is what I figured. I'm in education. I've been in education. I made uh-huh. this my career. I feel like I should be able to get my doctor's degree for free. I'm just saying. I should be able to get my doctor's degree for free. Look, um, it's less. It's less than one. It's less than two percent of all African Americans are. I'm, I'm doing educators. some. I'm doing I'm public work. I'm doing some public work. What I'm doing is benefiting the you, community. Look, look, you're underpaying I'm, me already, right? You're underpaying hey, me already. Let's fill the gaps. I'm let's effective. fill the gaps. I'm highly effective. Let me get my doctorate degree. Go ahead and pay for it. Because I can be, I can be a teacher for twenty years, and I promise you, I probably wouldn't ever see a hundred thousand dollars in my pocket. At least not, not all at once. So do me a favor. 
Knock off some student loans. Yeah. Go ahead. Knock, Knock them off. off. And then let me you get know. this doctorate degree. And, <laughs> and we settled, right? We settled. We good. We good, right? You no know, because the little five year of, I mean, like the 120 payments of paying off my loan oh, and then trash. getting some of it knocked off. That's that don't trash. do nothing. That's I need trash. more than that. That's true. And, they, and, and you know what? You got to keep up with your records because I have a, f- a few colleagues who have done that. Obviously, they're older because they've, you know, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I think they were on like the ten year thing, right? Um, so yes, well, public... I think it starts off as a certain amount and then it goes yeah. to ten years. Yeah, but I I have a colleague who did that, and she was like, "They won't. They're not doing it. They they're saying something and something." And I'm like, "Huh? I'm like, I hope you kept your receipts for ten years because um, <laughs> I would be that's that's worth a plane ticket. Like I'm gonna be there knocking on you know whoever's well, store. I haven't personally. Yeah. I haven't gotten into that, but I do have. It was a conversation a couple of coworkers and I had discussed yesterday, and it did come up. So. I, I I guess I would have to look into that too because I definitely was convinced to get a part of that program, but I'll definitely have to look into it myself. Yeah, I mean, I think the program is valid, but I just would be, you know, I'm a little worrisome after she said that. I'm like, so you've been paying on time for 10 years. For this long. For this and long, still- and they still are giving you pushback like they don't want to do it. Um, go ahead and just wave that. Yeah, just, I just say, yeah, we happen. <laughs> Just go ahead need and to talk to manager. Definitely. But yeah, I do need them to go ahead and just pay for that doctorate degree as I am an African-American male and highly underrepresented in my field. Thank you yes. to whoever university is listening to this. It yes. don't even matter. Yes. I don't even care <laughs> where the degree come from. As long as I can say Dr. Wilson at the end of it. I'm okay. Good. I don't care. I look, just give me the free money to, to, to be, you know, to be a more, you know, to be more productive in this world. Just give me some free money. Interesting. Um, let me ask you this, since we were talking about higher education, um, going through the Teach for America program, did that allow you to earn your master's degree in education and teaching? So you commit two years in Teach for America. In the right. first year, you're a first year teacher and you're going through certification. So I went through TNTP. Um, that's the pro the certification program I went through okay. and did that's for that's the first year. Now the second year you get the opportunity to go through John Hopkins online mm, and get a and right. get your master's degree and being in Teach for America that you you're already going into the program with some credit hours. Mm-hmm. However, it was something I wanted to do, but I want to get my uh, master's in education uh, education leadership. So they didn't have that available. And so I bet they didn't. <laughs> yeah. See, it's to stopping my greatness. Stopping exactly. My greatness. Exactly. It's a system. So I I had to I had to um abort mission and yeah. I'm you know, I'm definitely looking uh, looking into grad schools here in New Orleans. Cool. You gotta keep me updated on that. I'm uh I I'm definitely a... will. I definitely will. Yeah, I've got two masters. One is in education, but uh I took what a year's worth of doctorate classes and well, excuse me, well, Mr. Two, two no. degree. Well, I, I need I need the doctorate though. So, <laughs> uh, so I did a year uh, at the University of Memphis in their doctorate uh-huh. program in instructional design and technology. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I stopped when my son was being born. I stopped because I'm like, oh, that's a, those are bills. So let me just yeah, because I was paying for the thing myself. Yeah, let me just chill out for a second and. Um, 
And I think I want to, I know I want to go back. I know I want to finish, but I don't want to do it in instructional design and technology anymore. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do want to go ahead and do leadership. I need my admin's license. I need that. Yes. I need well, that. we we definitely need you in an administrative position. We need you to go ahead and tackle that because it's not too many yeah. of us up there either. No, no. It's so not too many of us up there. So that's a great segue. So... You mentioned, and if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to, but you okay. did mention that there were two incidents that you went through with you speaking about uh, speaking out about certain issues that were going on in your school, and yes. you got in some trouble, or almost uh, in trouble? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm very, I'm a very straightforward, I'm young, so I'm not that that's an excuse, but I'm very straightforward, and I'm definitely learning to to pay attention to the, you know, the way I take care of certain situations, especially in education. And so um, I came into education and the incident was pertaining to my students. And I, it was going, you know, normally around the end of the year, you're about to get ready to take those end of year tests. Everybody's, it's crunch time now. And so the issue was that, um, one of the admin wanted me to take kids out of their science class to be to teach them math um, because they needed that intervention. And the issue for me was that I don't mind taking the students out, you know, to have some math intervention. Intervention. I want that. I've been asking for that. Let's do it. But you're asking me to take it during another core content that only receives, you know, half of what I'm receiving to teach my kids. I don't think that's fair. And so the issue, I think the bigger issue for me was like, well, are we communicating this to the parents? Are the parents aware that their student is not no longer about to receive science class? I just want to make sure that everyone's on one page before we start making these decisions. And true enough, I'm a teacher. This is my first year at this school. I feel like this was a conversation that needed to be had because we cannot make decisions based on a test because this test is only right now. What about three years from now when they have that science question that's eighth grade, seventh grade level, and they're incapable of answering it because you took them out of science class to, to, to you know, to focus on some more, some more math. Why not do, why not focus, why not do that during, re, I mean, you know, recess or elective? You know, let's find some other, you know, alternatives before we start taking kids out of classes that they absolutely need. Yeah, that makes sense. And that was that was me. That was me being rebellious, if you want to call it that. But I felt like I was being a, a concerned teacher. I was a concern. I feel like I was a damn concerned teacher. And if I was a parent, I would have been a concerned parent, too. Because if my child tell me, oh, well, I'm not doing science no more. It's not that important. Tests come, you know, because for some students, they feel like well, they feel like if I'm being taken out of science, it may not be important. Right. So when it's time to take the test. I'm just going to mark anything because we didn't even have science the last two, three weeks, you know, two, three weeks before the test. So who cares? And that is the wrong idea to send to students. And that's the exact, that's the exact idea. That's what, that's the message we're sending to kids. That's definitely is. And I expressed that. I definitely let them know. And I, I had to (laughs) suffer a little heat from it, but it got on track and, you know, we found ways around it and we're, we were good with the situation. However, I felt the need to step, you know, to step up and say that. And there were other black educators who felt the same thing around of you? Of course, of course, uh, of course. Like we, I, I taught like, 
I'm really big on like situations, not just in my professional life, but in my personal life too. So if there's a situation that happens with me and I'm not sure if where my mistake is or, you know, what's what, I'm going to ask for another person's opinion. How, like, what is another way that I could have handled that? You know, what is another way that I could have said that? And so a lot of the, my teacher, you know, my, my, my teacher, my coworkers are older than I am. They've been in education longer than I have. And so when I bring them the situation, it's like, well, no, Sonia, you're right. You know, you're right. You know, because I wouldn't want them to take my child out of science. If my, my, if my child need extra assistance, call me, let me know, send home some work. Tutorials after school. What about tutorials before school? You know, like I, I, you know, I had lunch tutorials. Me and my kids get your lunch, come upstairs, we can listen to music, and we can have some fun learning math outside of what a full class. And my kids took advantage of it. So there are ways we just have to find. We just have to make time for them. Agreed. So have there been other situations where you felt like? Your colleagues felt like you felt, but you were the only one that actually spoke out? The science teacher that they wanted me to pull the students out of, she, I had spoke with her and I asked, I said, hey, you know, how do you feel about it? She was like, well, I mean, we don't have a choice. And I was like, says who? That's the wrong, mi- <laughs> that's the wrong mindset. Says who? <laughs> I was like, well, you ain't got a choice, but I, uh, I definitely have a choice. And so the, when she said that, Honestly, my heart dropped because I was like, not to step on toes, but we don't need that kind of mentality in the classroom, and especially no. not with my black kids. Not with not with my black kids. You're not about to do that. You are not about to minimize what anybody can do because higher authority said it. I would almost argue that's like a fixed mindset, which a lot of our, a lot of our kids who look like us have that fixed mindset. Like but how many ask times? Me, ask me if the teacher was black. Oh, I already know. <laughs> I, already, <laughs> I already know. So, ask me if she was black because not. I, when she said that, honestly, I I felt I felt some kind of way about it. As you should. And you know, because I felt like first and foremost, I'm not the science teacher. Right. She's not pulling, nobody's pulling the kids out of my math class because I ask questions, mm-hmm. but they're pulling the kids out of your science class. You only get 50 minutes compared to me receiving my hundred. Right. You need every minute that you can get. Right. So why are you not fighting? Because you feel so strongly about your kids learning this, yet you so quick to just not have a, not have that say, not have that choice, like to not speak your, not speak your truth as a teacher. You've got to fight me if you're trying to steal my instructional time. You really do. You like, really, really do. You have you have to because you hired me as a teacher, so you better damn believe that you're going to get it. Which is the reason why I don't really write kids up. I think I maybe had maybe two, three referrals all school year long. And the reason why is because it doesn't benefit or behoove me or my students if little Johnny I could is come in, over there and give you a big <laughs> hug right now. For real. I don't want them in the audience. I mean, I don't want them in the, um, uh, I don't want them in the assistant principal's office. I don't want uh-huh. them in, in school suspension. Mm-hmm. I want them here in this class learning because that's what's going to make the ultimate difference. So, yeah, I, I love everybody that works at my school for the most part, especially uh-huh. the office staff. But when they call and they keep, um, you know, they get on the buzzer and they keep interrupting, it's such and such here and da 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 this and this. I'm like, hey, 
just cannot wait for later because we're in the middle of a really good lesson right now. And we the kids, really are. The Can kids are back? actively engaged. And, you yes. Know, and you the, know how hard it is to get every 100%. To get every kid. Like, I got kids yelling answers at me. Like, dude. Yes. That is what I live for. <laughs> exactly. That makes it you all come in here talking about they, re- they about to go home. No, nah, they going to have to go home Mom. at 3 o'clock. Right. <laughs> Right. We got 15 minutes of class left. They can wait. I definitely agree with you. Writing students up was not in my, that is not my forte. Now, the only time I had to write students up is when words that you don't use with your parents. Yeah. Worst case scenario, it's like it's gotten too far. It's like, okay, now you got to go. Now Now you you got to go. go. Because now you're playing with me. And (laughs) and now you got to go. So I'm more of one of, I'm a big communicator when it comes to my classroom. If you walk in my classroom, you know you ain't feeling it, let me know ahead of time. Exactly. Because when it's time to do the work and you don't, you know, you're giving me all this attitude, mm-hmm. I didn't do nothing to you. You just walked in my classroom. Like, we could kill all of that just by just through communication. And so you will see how effective it is when you open the floor for your students to communicate. And so, like, as you know, just going back to the whole writing kids up, one of my students, he was definitely a troublemaker, but... He was, you know, I felt like he was really trying and they were trying to write him up because he was just, you know, doing this disruptive da da da. And I'm just like, writing him up is not going to teach him anything because no. what he's, he going to sit at home and do, do nothing. nothing. Do so what, where's the benefit? Where does that benefit anybody? If he's doing something that he don't need to do, give him detention, baby, make him go to detention, make him come, you know, make him come back up here and make up the work that he lost by interrupting your classroom. Like there are other ways to, you know, to give out these, you know, these, I don't want to say punishments, but to give out these consequences, there are other ways around them. If my students are being loud, disruptive in class, that's fine. Cause guess what? If y'all want to be loud and disruptive, clearly y'all know what y'all talking about, especially if I'm teaching. Right. Cause I'm going to give y'all the floor. Oh yeah. I'll just stop. I'll stop. I just look. and when y'all ready, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> let me know. When y'all are ready to learn, let me know. I'll go check but my emails. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I said there are there are so many other ways. But I feel like when you when you don't have, you know, the advantage of being a black teacher is that students are going to relate and you are going to relate to your students. Definitely. We're we're already aware of our culture. The only difference is with, between my students specifically is y'all are from New Orleans, Louisiana. Majority of y'all are from out here, and I'm just from a different state. But I can almost guarantee you our experience have have been are similar. Great and time. so that's the advantage. However, when you have teachers of some other, you know, of, of, of an other, an, another ethnicity, I'm sorry, excuse me, and it's different for them because they're coming with this stereotype. They're coming with their own idea. Um, and they're not, you know, they're open, but they're still kind of closed minded because for them, it's like, I'm the teacher, you're the students. I'm about to teach. And that's what it is. I wish it was so easy for us to just walk in a classroom, teach kids, get it. They answer questions and everybody goes home. That's, that's a perfect world. But of course, that's not the the life we're living in. And all. so, like I said, it's just it's just a matter of having that grit, having that understanding, being open, you know, and being willing to to figure out what are some other ways. Because if I'm, 
you know, if I know that the benefits of a child going home and not learning nothing versus being at school and just having to do some extra work, I'm going to do whatever requires a child to do the extra work because I'm all I'm all in for extra work. Definitely. So let me ask you this um, as a black educator, a black scholar, uh, being academically astute and melanated at the same time. <laughs> what do you think we can do? to change the status quo for black educators how can we get more black and brown teachers in the classroom how can we keep them in the classroom how can we improve the profession i mean it's a it's a very hard question because trying to you know trying to convince or not even convince just trying to get people on board to get in education is already a battle in itself um, it's one of those situations where you have to commit, you know, you have to commit a lot. And I feel like growing up for so many of us, we've, we've been in classrooms where our, you know, our friends are cursing a teacher out, disrespecting a teacher, and they're acting in a way that if I was a teacher, I'm not about to deal with that. And so we all have our own perception growing up in these classrooms as what a teacher is. And so I understand, like, if if, friend, if some of my friends didn't want to be a teacher. Because kids give teachers hell. Sometimes they, parents do, too, or and, and, administrators. And, and, or yeah. Man, look. We catch it from they, everywhere. <laughs> we, we do. Yeah. You really do. And, and it's, it's one of those things where, because I'm going to always be honest and upfront with anybody that decides to go in education. Because I've had a couple of friends that, that's come to me about Teach for America or you know, certification programs or even get into education. Like, how do I feel about it? And I tell everybody, education is not for the week. Nope. It's not for the week. <laughs> nope. It's not. It's not for, you know, it's not for people who think that you're going to go in the classroom, you're going to be cool with the kids and oh, God, this is no. what it is. No. Because <laughs> I, baby, look, I was cool with my kids. You know, we were cool. I had that one student that cursed me out. Almost every day. Wow. Look, you can everybody can't like you. Everybody yeah. cannot like you. Yeah. And so, like I said, if you you know, you also have to have patience. And a lot of people admit that they don't have the patience. And so, like I said, if we if we want to get more more of us involved, we just have to be, you know, we have to be bold about it. We have to, we have to be bold. We have to really be wanting to do this. This has to be a want. And you know, I wish that more, you know, more blacks were involved. However, I wouldn't want a black person to come in and, ha you know, and excuse me, half ass my kids and then right. walk out. Right. If if you're not in it for it, if you're not in it for them, just just get out yeah. because they don't they don't need any more half ass half ass teachers. They've had enough <laughs> half ass black teachers because we do have some half. You know, we have teachers that really don't put in the efforts. They do a couple of things. And those are typically the teachers that, that lack classroom management. Of the course. kids run over them and they feel like the kids are being this and the kids are being that. And those be the teachers that don't have the relationship with the students. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's I mean, true. like I said, we could, <clears throat> I, I wish, I hope, and I mean, for listeners, if it's, if it's something that you thought about and it's something you think that you may be great at, I would say try it out. Start small, though. Tutor a couple of kids. You know, yeah. like work with a couple of kids. Volunteer. Yeah. yeah. Even, you know, like, 
even during state testing, like we look for like proctors and stuff. Like definitely. oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Like just just come get in, be in the atmosphere for a second. See if that's something that you want to do. And another thing, you don't have to be a teacher to be involved in education. Nope, you can be a school counselor, guidance counselor, school psychologist. Therapist, you can be nurse. look. There's so many aspects to it. Like. You can be an HR yep. and you can still know it and you can still help out where you can. Like I said, it's just a matter of people willing willingness and wanting to actually do it. Agreed. hundred percent agreed. Um, now, let me ask you this. Do you and I know you're going to your fourth year, but do you consider yourself a great teacher? <sighs> you know, I. I feel like. I am in the the early stages of being a great teacher. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm in the early stages of being a great teacher. And I say that because after, you know, I read, now don't tell on me, but I read some of the Teach for a Champion book. I was supposed to read the whole thing a long time ago, but I didn't. But I've read some pieces of it. And I'm actually currently reading um, while all the black kids sitting in the cafeteria, um, sitting together in the cafeteria by Beverly Tatum. And as I go through like certain situations and going through these different schools and charter schools, I can honestly say the one thing that I do well is build those relationships with my teachers. And it's one of the biggest things that, that they always teach in these PDs. In all of our professional development, they always talk about building relationships. And I feel like the great way of the only way to build a great relationship or to be as great as you can be is by building those relationships with your students. It's literally the foundation of being a great teacher. Because I cannot be a great teacher and my students, you know, don't know me outside of me being a teacher. Like you sometimes you have to be yourself in the classroom. You have to be yourself in the classroom. And so I do feel like with the with these three, four years going into education, like I've mastered the relationship. I've mastered the classroom management. Now I want I do want to master my effectiveness. And I say that because I'm still trying to figure out the most effective way to reach kids on different levels in one classroom. So you do know, you mean like individualized learning along with yes, like differentiation? Perfect. Individualized learning. And yeah. so, you know, you have students that like I taught seventh grade and to be f- clear, like I had some students who were on fourth grade levels. I had some students that were on fifth grade levels and I've had some students that were, you know, lower than that. I've been there. <laughs> and so you have to figure out what is the strategy that I can use in order to, you know, in order to reach all levels and that's where I talk about you know and that's where I've kind of learned that I can either teach you know rigor and break it down or I could start small and start challenging my students you know with you know with um upping the rigor and so that's why I say like I'm in the beginning early stages of, of being a great teacher I'm I'm definitely at the great teacher but I'm at the beginner stages stages because I'm so early in the career this I'm in my career there's so much I still need to learn there's so much I'm still looking forward to learning uh, to learning and so I'm getting there I'm on the road 
course, <laughs> of course. Differentiation, I think, across states, across schools, school systems, districts, charter, public, private, differentiation should be the number one, or individualized learning should be the number one um, PD that every single educator, especially us, gets because a lot Mm -hmm. of our kids are, um, you know, diagnosed or undiagnosed with ADHD Mm. and, you know, they need all types of, you know, accommodation to to keep Mm -hmm. them actively engaged. You mentioned, you know, kids with behavior problems. You got kids who are coming to school and they're hungry. So there's a lot of different uh, things that we don't know when we first meet a kid that uh-huh. we need to find out in order mm-hmm. to be able to individualize the learning. So, and um, and you know, and it also affects their ability to to grasp new information. Of course, and yeah. which is why I say like you just that all that all ties down to like building those relationships with students. You know, like a student is not going to be comfortable with telling a teacher something that's so personal when they don't even have a solid relationship. Exactly. And so, you know, that's why I say like it's, you know, it's just one of those things. It's, you have to really kind of like just learn and walk your way into it. Now, you said you were reading um what what book was that? Can you hold that up for me again? <laughs> Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria okay. by Beverly Tatum. Mm-hmm. Would, you, um, and I, would you recommend that to listeners? I definitely would. Um, I'm, I'm in the, um, I just started reading it. Um, I ordered it off of Amazon. I just started reading it. And I've, I'm trying to get better with, with understanding race and education. Because um, that's exactly what it's about, understanding race and education and how how um how uncomfortable and how distant we are from the having those conversations in class i mean in the school i honestly wish we had pds that focus specifically on race because i don't ever recall getting into a pd and we talking about yeah okay so black white teachers and their effectiveness of you know like i never like i've never been in one of those kind of pds and i could really use it you know i'm going into year nine i think and I've never, yeah, I've never, I've never, ever, ever, and I've been, uh, you know, out of town for conferences and been been on different committees with the state. I have never, ever heard the you closest thing. Cl- closest thing to it is when we talk about issues of poverty, and oh, then yeah, that's when we. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's it. Yeah. We we talk about the obvious. Right. Surface, you know, like surface level. You know, we talk about the the the, the things that are on the surface. Like, yeah. yeah, we know Dante doesn't have a um father at home, and oh yeah, we know that you know so and so stays with their grandparents. Like, we those are the obvious things. Let's right. let's let's get to the nitty gritty, the right. things that are the you know the things that are aren't so visible. Um, and so. <laughs> I mean, I would I would love to have one of those conversations in, in the school. I know Beverly talks about a lot how race uh, with language is. I know a lot of my teacher friends that are of a different background say, you know, they always refer to students as, you know, they use certain language that I just be like, just say what it is. The kids are black. You know, you ain't got to say the African-American right. kid. Like, just say black. You know, <laughs> right. say the black kids. You know, cut to the point. We know. Kids of because African descent. <laughs> the people of color. Like, right. It's professional way of saying it, but go ahead and talk about just what say it is. Because we just you know, don't say white kids, the white kid. 
Exactly. Now, yeah. now, now, don't get me wrong. Let me take that back. You know, because all people of color are not only black, right? But when we are specifically talking about black kids, that's what is predominantly you know who in we're talking about. schools. Right. Let's, let's let's be specific. Just you know, yeah. and so that's for me, and that's that's important to me because I can honestly give Teacher America their props when we went through that that month of training and not getting paid. Right. <laughs> when we went through Wait, that, you month guys of didn't training, get a stipend. We got a stipend for no. um, for the new teacher project. They gave us some money. No, they, they money. Uh, Teach for America does not pay for uh, that summer training. However, I'm not sure if they have any other, you know, things, any other thing to reap from it. But no, we didn't get paid. That's not right because you guys not do enough. student student teaching during we'll the work time, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I think mm. I think what it is because they don't get we don't get paid is because it is student teaching right. and. You know, Teach for America, you come in and you assume that people are, that are coming in to Teach for America, this is their first year. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to spit that to them because if I'm coming in with some experience already, right. pay me. Pay me. Now, yeah. they can get their teacher experience, but I already have mine, so pay me. Yeah, we got a stipend. It wasn't a significant stipend, but I was glad to get it. Was, well, it, so it, it pays for something. I needed it. I needed it. <laughs> it paid for something. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just doing my time, waiting on my release date. Hello? Why are you so up? If this is an emergency, hang up, call 911. I don't do nothing uppish until after 1130. I don't want to be here. This is summer school. I see some of the same kids that didn't do nothing last semester. This ain't summer school. This bummer school. Anytime a teacher got to work extra in the summertime, when they supposed to be on vacation, it's a bummer. They want me to turn into a new lesson plan every week. They still got to master the old material. What was I thinking? This has got to be the who's who of all the bad kids at this school. Why have my kids in here? I ain't got caught up on none of the movies I want to watch. This ain't summer school. This a lot of school. It's a lot of extra stuff I got to do for a little bit more money. My whole summer break is slowly slipping away. So, but, um... um... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to ask. So um, we're at the recommendation section. So besides that book, is there anything else that you recommend that you've been reading or listening to or watching for other Black educators out there? Um, I would definitely say get into some of, um, and I wrote them down, uh, Beverly, uh, Be- of course I said Beverly Tatum, mm-hmm. Goodwin uh, Woodson, um, and Michelle Alexander um, as well. They are, they are all, um, they all have, have books that are, predominantly about race okay. um, and education, like the mis- uh, miseducation of the Negro. Like there Carter are- Carter G. Woodson, yes. Yes, yes. yes. So there, um, there are some books that focuses on education. If, you, if you're not a teacher, but you want to know more about what teachers may have to consider, think about, and just hear, listen to, and have to work through, grab a book that focuses on race and education. Because, you know, my biggest thing is that the issue is not always- for me, the issue has never been my student. They're not the issue. Right. It's it's race and education that becomes the the backbone of the issue. And so that's you know that's my biggest recommendation. I would definitely say look into those authors and you know hop on the train, help us out. Please, um, is there a quote that you would like to? And in honor in honor of today's topic, um, James Baldwin said the power of the white world is threatened whenever a black man refuses to accept the white world's definitions. Mm. Had to snap to that one mm-hmm. when I read it because I was. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
when I said when I read that uh, quote, I was like, "Oh, this is this him. is nice because yeah. you you know you making some noise, you know you making some noise." Because I mean, um, sorry, but Beverly Tatum also talks about in her book how um, teach like people that were against what you know the norm what people what whites felt like the norm was like what you know what the norm was anybody that was against it were considered troublemakers and if you were labeled troublemakers because you were you know you were rebellious and defiant against the rules that were already set in stone the status quo the status quo which is holding mm-hmm. everyone back which is holding everyone back and even in education even yes. in education and even only- in education but, you know, looking long term, you know, we got a few that have risen to the top, thankfully. And there are yes. a lot there are a lot of African-American millionaires in this country. I will admit that. But mm-hmm. initially they had to go against the um, the traditional route in order mm-hmm. to get to that. Well, I, guess, I like look, I look, I like to talk like my kids. They like to go against the grain. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they the, go against the grain. Marching to the beat of their own drum. Cause exactly. you know, I hate to just list the entertainers, but we know all of the entertainers who are doing really well for themselves, but most uh-huh. of the African American uh, millionaires or well to do, they went through entrepreneurship. They're not, yeah. work, they're not working for anybody or if they are working for somebody they might have started out working for somebody, but they had a side hustle. And I feel like that side hustle, you know, or maybe it could be investments with real estate. I know investments mm-hmm. are a big part of African-Americans being millionaires, too. So. Well, I'm definitely I'm definitely waiting for a couple of celebrities to all get together and, and open up a couple of schools around the world that focuses and provides the necessary resources. And, shout you know, out, shout out to Diddy. Diddy did open a school in Harlem. And I think he's going to be opening another campus pretty soon. And oh, he's, awesome. he's partnered with uh, Dr. Stephen Perry. Um, if you ever watched the CNN Black in America's. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They're kind of mm-hmm. old now. They need to continue, they need to, continue to do them. Um, but he was a... Uh, um, principal uh well he and he's actually running everything for diddy's school okay um, well i honestly and i would definitely i would definitely love to see and hear more of you know more celebrities doing it. i don't care if they got to take a picture and put it on social i want to see it (laughs) i want to see it who who, you know we talk about education so much um you know with celebrities like you know it's important like Help help us out. Help us out. Donate, you know, yeah. open up. I want I want them to open up a school. Open up some schools, please. Please. And like stay involved in it. Don't just open it. Cause I feel like some people open up a school and they allow other people to run it. No. If I open up a school, I'm gonna have hands on what's going on. And speaking of money, um, because again, I I this this is gonna be a forever rant with me. Teachers, mm-hmm. teachers can make money. You probably can't get it from being a teacher, but mm-hmm. but with your intelligence, your creativity, the time that you have, if you're willing to, you know, be disciplined and put in the yeah. work, that you can make it. So here is a suggestion. I'm gonna show you this book. This is the um, Millionaire Teacher. I don't know if how well you can see this, but it's called the Millionaire Teacher, and it's by uh, Andrew Halem. Uh, the nine rules of wealth you should have learned in school. And pretty much he talks about uh, investing is okay. how, how he became a millionaire. Um, and he still teaches like to this day. Um, mm-hmm. He still teaches. I think he's like I, a, I've heard of his like book a, too. Yeah, I think he's uh-huh. like a band director or something. Um, and there's also another book that I read years ago. It was a really thin book off of Amazon. I can't remember the name of he it. He said a, a really, really thin book. It oh, was that super minimized. thin. It was super that thin. a lot of books. 
But <laughs> the information was so great that I'm mad that I let another teacher borrow it. And this was like at an old school. So I don't even know this teacher's number anymore. So I'm like, where is that book? When yeah. will I ever run into him? Um, but basically it was an educator who did real estate investments uh, mm-hmm. on the side and during the summertime and everything. And he's a walking millionaire. So like, he's like, he was explaining like when he goes into um, a parent-teacher conference or whatnot, and he works in a very bougie, well-to-do, wealthy uh, school district and neighborhood, mm-hmm. and so the parents have this certain air about them that they're better than all of the educators. And he's mm-hmm. like, he doesn't let them just say whatever they want to say, and he doesn't because he. He's he's independently wealthy. Like he's good. Yeah, so he like, got his own thing on the yeah, side. Yeah, like so you're not gonna talk crazy to me. I'm making some real money out here, just like you are. So because they only see a teacher being a teacher, like exactly. you're a teacher. Exactly. You, you ain't doing nothing. Oh, that's surprisingly, you know, right. like right. We could do a excuse, whole episode on that. Yeah, you, that. you know, Definitely. excuse me and my five other businesses on the side. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I do. Um, we definitely, this has been great. We definitely need to chop it up again. Uh, definitely want you to be back on the show. But do you have any last... This is fun. I really do appreciate being on here. Like, oh, I'm, I'm curious to know what my voice sounds like. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> you should be good. You got the headphones. You should be good. You should be good. You should be good. <laughs> but no, I really do appreciate the opportunity to really speak about this. Um, I will. I would love to speak a lot more because I feel like there's, you know, like, you know, we don't hear enough from the teachers themselves. You know, I feel like we're so silenced and so boxed. Yep. So I, I would love, like, this is amazing. You know, like, we need to have an inner outer circle for teachers. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And my plan is um, not immediately, but in the near future, I definitely want a bigger community. As a, mm-hmm. as a part of it as I'm growing the show and uh, also I'm planning on doing some episodes where it's not just me and one other educator but it'll be me and like four other ones yeah um, so and I think and we all tackle like one topic or subject I think that'd be pretty dope so I'm working yeah on that I, I do agree and I um again like thank you again um thank sure. you listeners for you know just listening out I hope Everything that we discussed was, you know, it was eye-opening and, you know, whatever you feel. If you have kids, just I will highly suggest to be active in their lives. Like, don't just check report cards and progress reports. Like, communicate with the teachers because I can honestly tell you there are teachers like myself that really appreciate parents that are more than involved with just, you know, answering phones when a child is, you know, misbehaving. Like, you know, give me... We need that. Like I tell my kids, there's a three-way party when it comes to your education. That's you, that's me, and that's your parents. And so if you're not doing the work, that leaves more work for myself and your parents. And the education isn't for us. So again, like, you know, I I just, I I highly suggest that everyone just be active in your kids' lives. Please. Well, and you're in their academic life. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. What can I say? Mamba out. Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, Sometimes go to blackscholarspublishing.com. You just gotta go. You will never know what you could ever be. If you never try, you will never see. Stayed in Africa, we ain't never leave. So the ones don't slave in our history. When no slave ships 